Hey guys, it's Melissa Moore. Thanks for joining me on today's episode of Faith, Hope, Love, where we grow together in our faith, increase in hope, and learn how to better love God and love other people. On today's episode, we are in our What's Your Type Enneagram series. We took some time to unpack some common questions about the Enneagram in our episode entitled, should Christians use the Enneagram and other common questions. Our next episode focused in on some of the basics of the Enneagram. So if you're brand new to the Enneagram, I would encourage you to go back, especially watch that episode just to kind of get an idea of how the Enneagram even works as a tool. And then today's episode, we are going to be diving in um, each week in this series, focusing on a specific type and looking at what it looks like to live as um, those in the orphan mentality versus those living in the beloved mentality. And if you, again, miss that basics episode, that will really explain what that looks like. Today, again, we are joined by Amy Wicks, who is our co-host for the series as we discuss type eight. We're going to talk about what it looks like to live as beloved. And the thing is, is that is the goal uh, to live as a beloved child of God. But a lot of us different times in our life have struggled with living as an orphan or apart, independent from God. Now, the levels of health, when you talk about Enneagram, there's actually nine different levels of health, which make it very confusing because there's the nine different types. But today I'm going to summarize in three different aspects of what it looks like to live independent and orphan-minded, what it looks like to live in awareness but not yet living as beloved. And then the third, the last one is what it looks like to live as a delighted beloved of God, because each type has, <laughs> has this, um, this possibility within them. This is why every type looks so different and why when we want to do a blanket statement of like, oh, I don't like to interact with this type, or I just don't like this type. That isn't a fair statement because you may have interacted with someone who is living as independent apart from God, and they weren't a very good representation. I thought it would also be really helpful to understand what the temptation is for each Enneagram type. This is a terminology and a, a, a phrase that was really developed um, at the beginning of some of what we know now is the Enneagram um, that in particular Jesuit priests started to put together and based some of these ideas off of some of our ancient um, Christian fathers who wrote about the temptations, vices, uh, virtues, all the different things that pertain to not only us personally, but also to our faith walk. And so the idea here is remember temptation is just that it's a temptation. It's not actually this act of sinning, but it's when we give into the temptation that it separates us from God and we're choosing to live in our own independent way. So for the Enneagram eight, the temptation is thinking fulfillment is somewhere else that they have to, in order to get fulfillment are driven to, to find it in the strength of themselves or in the strength of someone else. So when, uh, when an Enneagram eight is living as an orphan, they feel the need to defend and protect themselves, which causes them to be mean and vengeful. Of course, that is not very pleasant at all. <laughs> and for any Enneagram eight listening or who knows an Enneagram eight, you may have seen this reflected in your life or someone else's story. And so that is just a re representation of them giving into temptation and living apart from um, a beloved child of God. Now, when we're in the messy middle, I like to call it, 
uh, an Enneagram eight is very hardworking. They are determined. They are bold, but they also are taking significant risks, like maybe a little too risky that could put others in jeopardy. You may in this process as well, when you're in the messy middle, you may deny your own emotional needs and you become pragmatic and a rugged individualist. Again, that terminology, that individualist living apart from God. And then when we live as beloved, you use your decisiveness and commanding authority to make things happen. You initiate just causes to champion people and enjoy providing a sense of protection. And as it goes for every Enneagram type, there are so many layers here. These are just a brief, brief synopsis of how your personality type might look as beloved child of God or when you're striving to do it all on your own. Amy, thank you so much just for taking the time just to unpack this. If you're watching this and this resonates with you and this number uh, really stands out with you, maybe you've uh, felt a little choked up. I know for myself when we recorded for type three, um, I definitely started tearing up as Amy was sharing. And so I want to encourage you, if this number really resonates with you, take some time to dive a little bit deeper. I want to suggest a couple resources. Amy has an amazing book out called Should Christians Use the Enneagram? Um, she unpacks all of that as well as discusses a little bit about each type. Um, if you are wanting to look at um, kind of a more neutral book, this is not a Christian perspective per se, um, but The Road Back to You is a really, really great beginner's resource. Um, and then if you're looking to dive more into relationships, The Path Between Us is also really great. So these books all do a really good job of breaking down each type, just kind of getting a general understanding about um, how that Enneagram type works. So again, if this episode really got you um, thinking, maybe this resonates with you, I would encourage you to do that. If you're looking to connect with Amy Wicks a little bit more, she has some great resources on her website, including an Enneagram one sheet, which kind of breaks down all nine types right beside one another. And it's a really, really helpful tool. And if you're looking to really get going in this, she has really amazing DIY um, coaching resources as well as one-on-one -on -one coaching. So Amy is a phenomenal individual. If you want to pursue understanding yourself a little bit better through the Enneagram tool, through a Christian lens, obviously that's the most important part, um, but I highly, highly encourage you to check out some of what Amy does over on her website. I will link all of that below. So before we close up with a tip of transformation with Suzanne Stabile, I want to look at a Bible verse for your type. Type eight, 2 Thessalonians 3.3, 3. but the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. I hope that you continue taking time every single day to be in God's word. Ultimately, that is what is going to transform us and help us to move from that orphan mentality into a beloved of God mentality. It's the scripture, the, the truth of God's word in the Bible that's actually going to do this change work in us. And I encourage you, don't just read about the Enneagram. It's only a tool. I want to encourage you every single day, get into your Bible, read, a, read what God has to say about not just himself, but also about how he feels about you. Um, and, and just dive into what it looks like to, to live in freedom. And so I hope this has been an encouragement to you. We're going to close out our episode with a tip of transformation with Suzanne Stabile. Spiritual practices began, I believe, Joe and I believe, with one practice that everybody needs to find a way to include. And lots of numbers, every number doesn't like it, and they don't like it for different reasons. 
and I'm sorry. But uh, a contemplative sit or a contemplative practice, a time of contemplative silence every day is necessary. Then you need to incorporate other spiritual practices. And the reality is that you need a practice that's comforting. So a spiritual practice can be anything that makes you feel closer to God. It can be baking bread. It can be gardening. It can be uh, a walk. It can be all kinds of things that help you get in touch with who you are and who God is and who you are in relationship to God. And that will change from time to time. But you also have to find a challenging practice. Eight, um, you ought to go volunteer at a children's hospital. Uh, We have a Shriners Hospital here in Dallas where kids are learning to walk with braces because they're missing an arm or a leg or a foot, where uh, children are trying to learn to do things that they've desired to do and can't manage. And if, as an eight, you have the courage to volunteer in such a place, then you will soon realize that it is your inclination to fix everything that's wrong and everything that causes people pain. And what a lovely, lovely desire. But you can't do it. And so you have to learn to be present to pain that you can't fix to systems that you can't revamp, to children who have so much to teach you. Now, obviously, there are spiritual practices like prayer and examine and welcoming prayer and simplicity and solitude and silence and giving and celebration and all kinds. And I'm not skirting those. I'm trying to set the table for those. Because how we each come to those other practices is usually an average space in our number. And so that's what needs to be addressed first. Awesome. Thank you so much, Suzanne, for sharing that. I really hope if you're watching this that our time with Amy and with Suzanne today really just encourages you and inspires you to to grow in, um, into the person that God has created you to be. Join us back here next week as we have an interview with a type eight.